0: Thank you Jesus. Last week we, uh, we talked about the anointing and how each of us are anointed as a child of God and that that anointing was not just special to a pastor or to a minister or someone standing behind the pulpit that all of us have the anointing and we read the scriptures that supported that so there's no argument there what the word of God says about that you have the anointing. So along with that anointing and you know how much power that gives us and how Uh, God has given us authorities and things to do with that anointing, but we oftentimes forget about that anointing, and therefore we struggle in life. Amen? But along with that power, though, and the anointing that's been given us, um, if we don't follow what God has been telling us to do, then that anointing kind of just falls by the wayside. Because first of all, God is not going to violate his word. God has commanded us to do things. And while he has given us the anointing by Holy Spirit, there are things that we still have to carry out in this life. So many times if we are not going in that direction, then um, we we wind up struggling still in life. And we forget that we have the anointing because we're struggling. And then it's like a vicious cycle that we get caught up in. So from time to time, the word of God talks about studying, you know, so that you may be approved. And, And every now and then to check yourself, you know, to take a, do a to do a, a road map of your life and am I walking in the direction that I should be walking in um, what mid-course corrections should I be making none of us are perfect you know, while we are in this physical body and until we're called home to be with the Lord, we still have the struggles of life we still have the challenges, we still have the temptations the devil is constantly in our faces putting um, bad news in our ears and trying to sow all sorts of fear, that's why I had us read the, the scriptures today, to confess, I remember that God is not giving you a spirit of fear, but of power, love and a sound mind. So when those things happen in our lives that would tend to make us feel nervous and wondering about, am I going to succeed? Will I be able to accomplish this or do that? Remember, God is not giving you a spirit of fear let the devil sow fear and doubt into your mind, but also do a mid-course correction. Do a check. You know, am I doing everything that I should be doing? Because many times boulders pop up in our lives. Those boulders can be placed there by the devil or circumstance or sometimes just life happens the way they can be Boulders. So we're going to talk about boulders today. And this message has been kind of resting on my spirit. Um, As you know, we were down in Santa Barbara. And um, I was participating in a a management retreat. And one of the exercises that they did out there in a beautiful park, you know, surrounded by mountains and palm trees and so forth, was what was called a boulder exercise, you know. And that boulder exercise was when the the, the participants had to think of boulders that were in their lives that were preventing them from from succeeding from a management perspective, you know. And and now this is a secular management retreat, and so it's built on career building and things like that. Like that. So, as I'm going through the exercise and whatnot, and in between all of that, I'm thinking, you know, this is so so apropos to the spiritual realm and to what we as Christians confront, except that it's on a spiritual level. This seminar, this the retreat was focusing on the secular side of life, but what about on the spiritual side? Okay, there's the same things. And so this, this message kind of resonated and percolated percolated in my spirit since we, since we were back and everything, and the Lord put on my heart, you know, to, to speak on it, because the same way if the secular world can admit and acknowledge that there are boulders in your career to get Getting ahead. And in the spirit realm, there's the same things we as Christians have those boulders. You know, what are some of those boulders that might be preventing us from getting to where we need to be or from um, uh, getting away, doing away with issues that happen in our lives? So it's good for us, you know, the same way you do you know, a 30,000 mile check on your vehicle or whatever, certain times of life, you go for your checkups through the doctor and so forth. And as you get a little more ripened, like a good grapefruit, you go a little more frequently for those checkups. <laughs> amen 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 all right i think grapefruit grapefruit ripe, ripen and anyway or any other fruit you can think of but not to not i shall not digress <laughs> i shall not digress you know as we go for periodic checks i think you get the point you know we need to also do in our spiritual lives you know because sometimes we get especially when things start going good in our lives we kind of sit back in comfort so, oh boy i'm on i'm on easy street now things are looking good and then all of a sudden, the devil throws a curve at you okay and all of a sudden oh wow here what happened lord all right so we need to do this on a voluntary basis and think about what are some of those boulders that could happen in our lives so first to start building the foundation let's look at first of all um even in looking at boulders and identifying them and what to do about them you got to make sure your faith system is in check okay so let's go to uh hebrews 11 hebrews chapter 11 all right, you have to everything that we do in our Christian life or in our life which is christian um, is based on faith you know okay and uh you can identify boulders all day long, you can identify what they are, you can identify how to go about removing those boulders, but the bottom line is if you don't have that faith, then it's often not. Okay? Um, even understanding your anointing that we talked about last week. If you don't have faith that the word of God is true and accurate, then you're not even going to believe that you're anointed and you won't be able to benefit by it. So the whole thing in this check is to go back um to, to, to some very foundational things. In Hebrews eleven, um, I was actually going to go to six, but let's Let's go to one, first of all. Hebrews 11, verse 1 very famous favorite scriptures here of most of us. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Okay, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That now means now. It doesn't mean faith last week. doesn't mean faith in the future. It means faith right now. And the reason why it's important to emphasize that word now is because that now faith exists for you this minute while you're sitting here in the sanctuary and that now faith also will exist this for you tomorrow and Monday morning when things start really going on in the world around you, okay? So now faith means that wherever you are from second to second the faith has to be there, okay? The faith in God. Then go to verse number 6 Okay, verse number 6 says But without faith it is impossible to please Him all right, underline that. Without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is. Pleasing the line must believe that he is. And that he is, underline he is a rewarder of them that diligently, underline diligently seek him. So what that is saying that without faith it is impossible to please him. So if you don't have faith just stop and think about that for a minute. You're not pleasing God. Alright? Then who wants to be in a position where you're not pleasing God? Alright? So without that faith you're, you're simply not pleasing him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is. That is so important because it's more than than just believing that God exists on a, on a philosophical level or an intellectual, intellectual level. It's believing that God really is who he says he is and that God can do everything that he says he can do. You know, it's not just a, a nice little thing to discuss. You know, you, you, you're walking down the street and some interviewer comes up to you with a microphone from CBS News or whatever and says, do you believe in God, oh yeah, I believe in God, and you go in and you have lunch, you know, that has a profound meaning to it, you know, or that, that question is very profound, do you believe in God, do you believe that he is? Do you believe that God is everything that he says he is in his word, and that he can do everything that he says he can do in his word, and if you really believe that he, that he is all that he says he is, then that helps you to have that faith in him, and if you're having faith in him then that pleases God, alright and then it says that you must believe that he is, and that he is a reward of them that diligently seeking him okay diligently means with focus diligent does not mean a just a casual thought of god every now and then or when things go wrong in your life diligently seeking god is always seeking god during the good times during the not so good times during the horrible times you're seeking god or always seeking him all right so if you're doing that and you believe that he is you know if, if you are. Um, You know, how many of us jump in a car to go on a trip someplace that we're unfamiliar with? You don't know how to get there. And nowadays, you know, what do you do? In the old days, you'd pull into a gas station and you ask the attendant, do you know where so-and-so is? Nowadays, you go for your app. You go for your smartphone, you go for your app, be it Google Maps or whichever one that you're using, and then you put the even even better still, you put the thing on automatic voice, then you just got this thing talking to you and you're following every single turn. You know? You don't care if you see a pier in front of you in the Atlantic Ocean there, the thing says go straight for two miles and you're gonna go straight for two miles because Google said it go straight for two miles. You know, and, and I've read questions not to digress again on the internet, they're saying where people say they followed the thing and wound up in the in the woods someplace, so it can be wrong. But the point I'm is though is that you are diligently following that that app. You're diligently seeking after it and you're following it to the letter of everything that it that it says to do. But every single turn in the road, we need to seek God the same way. We need to to, to trust Him that He's going to be the source of our direction. He's going to get us to where we need to be and diligently seek Him. And then with that, um, and knowing what He can do, that that helps you with your faith in God. All right. So that's kind of kind of the, the foundation that we need to work with as you use God. God's words, God's word daily. You're, you're taking God at His Word. As you're using God's Word daily, you're taking Him at His Word. And that means that you're believing and you're having faith in everything that, that He says for you to do. Many times, and when we're praying to Him, many times we have answers to prayer that do not always come, you know. And uh, you, you have a prayer going on there and, and you're waiting and so on like that. And God may not always answer you uh, on time. And God, sometimes He has immediate answers and sometimes He doesn't. But Let's go to Isaiah. Okay, just because when you have a prayer into God and he doesn't immediately answer, does not mean that he hasn't heard you. Okay, you have to really, really understand and realize that, uh, um, that God always hears your prayer. 65, right. God always hears your prayer. 65 verse 24 And just because he doesn't always answer you Does not mean that he has not heard your prayer Isaiah 65 Verse number 24 We live, we live in a time in an age where everything is instantaneous. You know, and you've heard me say this before. Instant. You had microwave. You know, where everything is done in a matter of a second. You simply push the buttons and walk away from it. You know, you had Jiffy Pop and instant popcorn. And you know, you, you miss a game on TV or, or whatever. You can go to an app and get the score. I mean, you know, you want to know news around the other side of the globe is happening. You get your handy dandy your iPad or whatever, and you can find out what's going on. Everything is instant, and we. kind of expect God to always be the same too. Um, Isaiah 65 verse 24. And it shall come to pass that before they call I will answer and while they are yet speaking I will hear. It shall come to pass that before they call I will answer and while they are yet speaking I will hear. So please put a bracket around that or underline it. Okay. While we are, are praying and while we are patiently waiting Many times, God has already answered that prayer, but it does not always manifest itself to us immediately. It does not mean that God has not heard you, okay? And the best way to illustrate, illustrate that is, is the, uh, the events of Daniel, you know, when Daniel was praying to God for the answer uh, to the dream, okay? And he sent, off, sent forth the, the, the prayer and so forth. And then finally the angel came to Daniel and he said that the Lord heard you when you first uttered that prayer. Okay, and as I was bringing the answer to you, as the angel was bringing the answer to Daniel, the word, the God, word of God says that, that that he he was attacked, and I'm paraphrasing a bit here, and he says that the prince of Persia withstood me for 21 days. So in other words, there was a spiritual battle going on for the angel to bring the answer to Daniel, and it took 21 days while he was in battle with this. Persia, Prince of Persia, which is, is a, a demonic uh, demon. It was a demon that was battling him. And it was a high-placed one because he said Prince of Persia. He wasn't talking about the physical Prince of Persia because, obviously, a Prince of Persia, a human being, would not be able to withstand a battle with an angel. So he's talking on a spiritual level here that he was being opposed in bringing God's answer. And then he said until the angel Michael appeared. Okay, Michael is the archangel and, uh, and defeated defeated the demon enemy which was withholding him. And then the angel was free to bring forth the prayer. So then the answer to the prayer. So Daniel waited 21 days for that to be answered to, to, the answer to come to him. But what did the angel say again? He said that God answered your prayer the moment he heard you pray it. Well, it's the same thing with us. God hears our prayers and he answers it. Okay, there could be a host of reasons why that prayer is getting delayed or whatever, okay? Now, um, and of course God is sovereign and uh, 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 God is sovereign and he can do anything that he wants us to do. But the prayer is always there. And sometimes if God does not answer the prayer, um, it's because he doesn't want want us to have whatever it is that we're praying for, you know. And while we may think that that thing we're praying for or conditions that we're praying for is good for us, God knows our future. God knows where he wants you to be. And when God knows the ultimate role That your life is supposed to be playing God knows the purpose For which he placed you on this earth Way before the foundations of, of the earth Amen So where God wants you to go Many times is not where we want to go So if you don't get the answer to the prayer Then really count it a blessing Because while it may be a disappointment to you On a physical level on, In this earthly realm all right, If God is denying something to you For you in the earthly realm It's because he has something else in mind for you and the Lord knows I'd much rather have what he has in mind for me than for what I want to do because he knows my future. He knows what it is he wants me to do. Amen. So praise God. God is good and the angels are here watching over us. Amen. Um, all the time. So, um, so we see, see here that, he, that things may not answer. Go to James 1. Go to James chapter 1. James 1 Okay And so while you're waiting for this prayer And we're talking about faith still You're waiting for an answer Or you're waiting for things to be made manifest in your life Then we still need to make sure we're maintaining that faith So James 1 verse number 6 James 1 verse number 6 But let him ask in faith Nothing wavering, underline nothing wavering. Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. All right. So please underline um, in verse number 6 there, he that wavers is is, uh, like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. And then on the line In verse number 8 A double minded man Is unstable in all his ways Alright So it's saying there That when you're asking in faith Then that faith should not waver If you're believing for something And you've prayed for something And having that faith Is you not changing From one minute to the next Or from you not changing Simply because Something happens in your life Or it seems to be delayed You need to keep holding on To that faith And do not waver Because if you do waver You're like uh, What does it say A wave of the sea there um, Being tossed uh, by, by the wind So that means that Any way, anything that comes along to oppose you, that's the way that you're going to go. That's what you're going to start believing in. Alright? You're having faith in something and then something happens in your life that shows you something different and all of a sudden you take your eyes off of God and you start following what that other thing is that you're hearing. Okay? So, so we know that then faith is at the various foundations. Is the main part of the foundation. Looking at those boulders, what are some of those boulders? Well, one of the big ones is, uh, is unforgiveness. So, let's turn to the book of Mark. Into the book of Mark. Mark 11. Mark 11, uh, verse 25. Okay? First boulder that we're going to look at is unforgiveness because this is a big one. You know, many times when we're waiting for something for God and from God and we're praying for something and we're looking at boulders in our lives and we're doing kind of a, a, a status check of where we are in various, you know, various areas. Now, there are many, many boulders. I'm only going to touch on a, hand, a handful here today, those that will, um, the biggest boulders that will get us into trouble if we, we fall into the trap of being guided by them or, or, or letting the boulders stay there. And in 25, it says, um, and when you stand praying, Forgive if you have anything against any, that your Father also, who is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, who is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. Okay? So underline the, the word in verse number 25: anything against any. You know, forgive if you have anything against any, that your Father, which is in heaven, may also forgive you. And then 26, if you do not forgive, Neither will the Father who is in heaven forgive your trespasses. Okay, so forgiveness is very, very, very important. And it is so important if you turn to the book of Matthew. Turn to the book of Matthew, Matthew 21. I'm sorry Matthew 5:21. Sorry. Matthew 5:21. Matthew chapter 5 verse 21. Okay. Sorry about that. Okay? Matthew chapter 5 verse 21. Okay. You have heard that it was said by them of old Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother, without a cause, shall be in danger of judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar and there rememberst that thy brother has anything against you against thee leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift, okay? So here he's, God is saying, here, God is, forgiveness is so important to him. Now as much as the word of God focuses on giving, and we're going to touch on tithing and things in a minute, but, but uh, as much as the God focuses, focuses on giving and, and sacrifices to God and so on, what this is saying is that as important as giving is, is that if you are harboring unforgiveness, or if there's someone that you're harboring unforgiveness for, it is so important to God that you reconcile that unforgiveness, forgive that person, get get it over with than giving to God. So what it's saying is that, you know, if you were, you know, sitting, coming to a Sunday service, let's say, and you're harboring unforgiveness, and then the minister calls for tithes and offerings at the end of the service, or whatever during the service, if you're harboring that unforgiveness, God is saying that he'd prefer that you not even give your tithes and offerings that Sunday, but you go get straight with your brother first. Okay, that's how important unforgiveness is, okay, or forgiveness is. So as a boulder, if we're harboring unforgiveness for anyone, we need to deal with that. Okay, we need to deal with it. And that does not necessarily mean that you have to forgive this person and all of a sudden call up on the phone and start hanging out with them and go to the bars or wherever it is that they're hanging out or whatever's going on in their lives. But it's simply saying that whatever they did against you, whatever you are feeling hurt about, that you need to pray and say, Lord, I forgive so-and-so, I forgive so-and-so. You know, and if the Holy Spirit so, so puts it on your heart to call that person up and to simply say, you know, I forgive you for whatever it was that you did da, 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 and maybe talk about it. It does not mean you've got to stay in their company and stay hanging out with them and all like that. But deep in your heart, you have to forgive that person and not be harboring this unforgiveness because that can become a major boulder for us, you know. And, and sometimes forgiveness is so hard because we get so puffed up in self and we get, um, we get insulted because someone said so-and-so to us or did so-and-so to us, you know. And, hey, you know, look what they did to Jesus. Look how they talked about Jesus. And Jesus was totally innocent. I mean, he was sinless. You know, so who are we? To think that someone can't say so and so to us or shouldn't say, you know. So you need to forgive them and pick up and move on. Dust the sandals off your, your, the dust the um, you know, dust off your sandals and move on, as the Word of God says. But once you start harboring that that unforgiveness, then that can become a boulder. Unforgiveness, by the way, if it's left un- unattended, undealt with, it can become a spirit of bitterness, and that spirit of bitterness gets down in you, and it just eats at you where you become such a bitter, bitter person. Spirit of bitterness left unchecked can even progress to the point where it really goes to the extreme where you wind up doing physical harm or even murder, becomes a spirit of murder. So you need to deal with that unforgiveness really, really quick. So that's one boulder that, to me, is relatively easy, easy, to, uh, easy to deal with. The other one is obedience. Go to 1 Samuel Okay we're talking about boulders here What are some of the ways that These boulders could develop in our lives And what are some of those boulders 1 Samuel chapter 15 1 Samuel 1 Samuel 15 Praise the living God 1 Samuel 15 and, okay, and verse number 22. And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. Okay? For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected thee from being king. All right. So this was. This is talking about Saul, and if you read the preceding verses there, you'll see where um, uh, he did not obey what God had told him to do. So what God basically said to him through the prophet, um, uh, has the Lord great, as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. So again here, God is saying, don't be bringing me your sacrifice. In other words, don't be giving me your tithes and offerings, and then at the same time not obeying what I'm telling you to do. Okay, So we need to make sure that we are being obedient to God. It says in verse 23, rebellion, which is not obeying to God, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. All right, Rebellion is the same as witchcraft. It's as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. And then God went on to say it through Samuel, uh, Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. So that means then that that to the point that God cannot be blessing us, can be based on the fact that that we are being disobedient. So we need to make sure that we're always following whatever it is that God is telling us to do. And sometimes, you know, it's easy to say already, Yeah, I'm obedient to God. I follow what he tells me to do. How obedient are you when God tells you to do something that's uncomfortable to you? Amen? How obedient are you when God tells you to do something that you feel, well, gee whiz, you know, I shouldn't have to do that, or why should I do that? Or either on the other side of the coin is, I don't have the ability to do that, I'm going to fail to do that, instead of doing what God is telling you to do. So it's easy to be obedient when you're doing something that, that, that works for you, so to speak, that fits, that fits for you. It's easy to be obedient. But how obedient are you when God tells you to do something that's a challenge, you know? You know? And we, and we need to, we need to, We need to start getting more and more spiritually attuned um, as we move forward in this life. Uh, there are things going on on the world scene, and I'm not going to, to to get political and all that sort of thing. But you know, I pray that people are following current events and knows what's going on in the world. But we're seeing things unfolding before our very eyes that have been prophesied in the Bible. You know, and and, and we're getting closer and closer. You, you know, you know, do, do some research on Gog and Magog, and look at look at who those countries are, or who they are in, in by today's world, and look who's who's gathering together and, and, and joining. Unions together And who they're, how they're coming against Israel you know. So we really need to start getting more spiritual And not to be dismissive Of the things that the Bible tells us Because it's very very critical for our own well being In moving forward So we see here that obedience to God is, is extremely important The next one is a biggie of course And that's doubt or unbelief Let's go to the book of Hebrews Let's go to the book of Hebrews Doubt or unbelief Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews 3, and we'll go down to verse number 7. And we're looking at a boulder that's called doubt or unbelief. Verse 7. Wherefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today... If you will hear, this vo- hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Please underline, harden not your hearts. Underline the word today also, if you don't already have it underlined. Harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of trial in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test, proved me, and saw my works forty years. Wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart. And they have not known my ways. Please in the line, and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. I swore in my wrath that they shall not enter into my rest. To pause there for a moment what God is talking about when they are in the wilderness. They were constantly disobeying God. They were constantly testing God almost because they did not follow what God was telling them to do. You know? And so he's saying there, because of that, they shall not enter in my rest. You cannot ever hope to be in the rest of God. In other words, having a peaceful mind, being stress-free, if you're not doing what he's telling you to do. You know, if you're, not cha- if you're not constantly challenging him, so to speak. You're constantly doing the same thing over and over again, and you're, and, and, and you're not really believing what he's telling you to do, because if you believed him, you'd stop doing whatever it is that you're doing. Or you would start doing whatever it is that God wants you to do. Amen? But because of that, he said, verse 11, They shall not enter into my rest. Verse 12, Take heed, brethren. Lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief, please in the line, or lest there be in you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, okay? Unbelief in departing from the living God. Did you realize that when you get to a point that you're, being un- you're in an unbelieving state that you're departing from God? Amen? You ever stop and think about that? If you're not believing what God is telling you, then, then you, you, you've moved away from, from Him. You know, your mom or your dad or someone close to you, someone in authority over you tells you something and you just start simply, you know, disbelieving them or you're not believing them, then you're separating yourself from them. You're no longer under their authority, so to speak, because you're just simply not believing or you're dismissing what they're even telling you. Okay? Verse 13 says, But exhort one another daily while it is called today. In other words, don't wait till tomorrow, today. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, harden, in, uh, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation. For who, when they had heard, did provoke? Did not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom was he grieved for 40 years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swore he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not? Please underline that. Um, he that should not enter into their, into his rest, but to them that believe not. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. So please put a bracket around 19 or underline it. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief, alright, so unbelief as a boulder is one certain way that you will not enter into God's rest and in more simple terms that uh, unbelief could be blocking you, could be a boulder in your life path from succeeding or achieving what God wants you to do as simple as that, and in the provocation the days of the provocation in scripture is referring to those 40 years in the wilderness as you could see, where they constantly constantly just provoked God because, you know, they, they would sin and carry on, sin and carry on and then they would hear from God or fire on the thunder on the mountain and then they would repent and get all sorrowful and then they'd go back and they'd sin and sin again and the whole thing and so that's referred to as the days of provocation in the wilderness. So you see there though it says in verse number um, um, 19, so they that could not enter in because of unbelief. So unbelief or doubt is another big boulder that's in our lives. Another boulder is unrepented sin. Unrepented Sin, Isaiah 59. Isaiah chapter 59. Unrepented Sin. Isaiah 59, and we're just going to do verses 1 and 2. Fifty-nine, Verses 1 and 2 Behold Behold the Lord's hand is not shortened That it cannot save Neither his ear heavy That it cannot hear But your iniquities Have separated between you and your God And your sins Have hidden his face from you That he will not hear Please the line his sins um, Your sins have hidden his face from you That he will not hear Amen So how can we expect God to hear us, you know, if we are constantly sinning? You know, so we need to make sure that we are, are are repenting of our sins you know bring your the minute that and, and, and no one is perfect, no one is perfect. I mean we go through this life just because we're saved does not mean that we don't slip and stumble from time to time god made God made a, a, a accommodations for that even in, in one John nine you know where you bring your sins to God and you confess that God is faithful to forgive, but you've got to repent of your sins because that can be a major boulder that's in your life, you know and those sins You know, there are two types of sins I always talk about, and sins are not venial sins and mortal sins. You know, that's not true at all. There's no place in the Bible does it mention venial sins and mortal sins. But the two categories of sins in God's eyes are sin of commission, which is something that you do, that's a sin of commission, something that you do. And a sin of omission is a sin that you, is, is you not doing something that God has called you to do. Amen. So how many here realize that you can also sin before God by not doing something that God has called you to do? You see, and that can be so important because, you know, God gives us things to do and tells us things to do. And we may never, never, never really understand why he's telling us to do that. But God could be telling you to do something in the Of saving another soul. You know, God may have you speak to someone and say something to someone that'll be just the right words to that person to trigger something and make that person come to the Lord. You never know where Holy Spirit is using you, you know. So, God may have you on a direct mission from Him, guided by Holy Spirit, in line with your anointing for doing something, and because you choose not to do it, a sin of omission, you wind up not doing something which, which impacts or potentially impacts another child, another human being that maybe God wants for Him. Him, you know, to bring to him, you see, and, and, and that's just putting it on a very, very surface level, you know, God is sovereign, as I always say, he can do anything that he wants to do, and he certainly knows your life and the lives of everyone that's on this planet, so when God is telling you something to do, and you feel in your Holy Spirit driven to do something, you know, do not not do it, you know, and, 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 and there have been times, even for myself, where God would would, would have me to say something to an individual, or to do something, or to be at a place. And then, in my mind, I would be... be Reconciling, well what's the point of doing that? Why should I should I do that? Or or to say something and feeling like gee whiz I feel really uncomfortable about saying that or well, what is that person going to think about me if I say that? All right. You have no idea what God may have said to that person, you know. What what God may how God may be preparing that individual. How God may have said that that person may have been praying for some direction or for some major breakthrough in their lives. And they may have actually said, especially another child of God, God, if this is what you want me to do, then I'm looking for a sign. Okay? That could have been the other person's prayer. God, if this is what you want me to do, then give me a sign. Okay? And then in the meantime, God gives you the words to walk up to that person and just say, Oh, I love your yellow tie. And you're like, why am I going to say that? Why should I say that? I don't even speak to that person. You know, you may even take it a step further talking about the forgiveness thing. That person never speaks to me. That person always takes my seat in church or whatever else is going on. And you feel really silly about doing that and you don't do it. You see, so that could be a sin of omission, where God has something for you to do that's very important, and you decide that you're not going to do it based on your own decisions, you see. And by you going to that person and saying, oh, I really love that tie, that person will say, wow. Wow. That's exactly what I was wanting to hear. That's exactly. Now I know that that's God's confirmation. And as a result of that, that person then would go on doing what God has been wanting them to do, okay, which winds up glorifying God in a whole level that we may never know about. That person may never come back to you and say, Do you know because of the words that you uttered to me, that turned my life around because that was the confirmation I was waiting for from God to do this other impossible thing. You see? You see? You see? See, God is, I mean, you, you know, you, you, you look at, look at uh, um, Saul or Paul when he was Saul. You know, when he appeared, Jesus appeared before him and struck him blind, but where did he tell him to go? To go and see, you know, and then Ananias, I think it was, all right. And then in the meantime, Ananias, God had told Ananias, you know, this Saul's going to come your way. And Ananias said to God, you know, what you him? You know, he's been persecuting us, and you want me to minister to him? You you see, and all right. And surely enough, God brought them back together, and we know the rest of the story is history. You know how Paul, how Saul became became one of the greatest apostles that we have. Amen. That God had. You see, so 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 a sin of omission could be by you not doing. Doing what God is calling you to do simply because you feel inadequate, or it doesn't make sense to you why you should do it, or you just simply choose, well, that that doesn't that doesn't fit in with my day today or my world today. That doesn't fit in. That person never speaks to me. Why should I do that? All right. So we got to be very careful there because many times sins of omission happen in our lives and we don't even recognize them as quickly as we do a sin of commission. Amen? Something that you do wrong, if you're a Holy Spirit-filled child of God, you know it's wrong. Okay? When you slip and stumble, and we all slip and stumble, no one is perfect, you know it's wrong because Holy Spirit will quickly say to you, you know, you shouldn't have done that, you know, you shouldn't have done that, and you need to go back and repent when you do something wrong, when you commit a sinful act, commission. The omission ones sometimes we don't always catch. We tend to kind of, the omission sins, we kind of sweep under the rug. We kind of push them aside because they're not always that obvious. And then besides that, the omission type sins fit in to what we're comfortable in doing or not doing. You know, the sin of omission can slip by a lot more easily simply because you don't want to do it. And you don't really realize it as being sinful towards God because you're not doing what he told you to do. Amen? So that is is, is a subtle act that happens in our lives. But in terms of it becoming a boulder, it can become very, very big, a big boulder because it's being disobedient to God. Okay? And we already read that, that that, that the sin of obedience is akin to witchcraft. All right? So you, you see, all these pieces fit together. But in moving forward in our lives, so many times we just go into our day-to-day routine and we don't even realize what it is that we're doing. And we don't even realize when things are not happening in our lives, when all of a sudden we have all sorts of problems and worries, you know, you're getting anxious and you're feeling fearful and so on, and you don't take time to sit back and ask, okay, what are these boulders that might be in my life? And go down the checklist, you see? So here's a relatively short checklist that I'm giving you today, but there's some of the biggest ones that I've seen out there as a child of God and as a student of the Bible that I've seen crop up in so many, in so many saints' lives um, because of the fact that, that we tend to overlook these things. We tend to sweep them under the rug and we just don't think of them. Okay? And we all are saints, according to the Bible. We all are saints of God. If you're a child of God, then the Bible calls you a saint. Amen? Amen? Amen. Praise God. So moving on. Um, um, and, and so so re- repent of those sins. When you become aware of them, repent of them. You know. Oh, as a matter of fact, on that subject before I move on to... Um, with the sins of omission because of the fact that uh, many times we don't even realize that we haven't done something God that wants us to do. One of the things that we should be regularly saying in our prayer time with God is, Oh Lord God, in the name of Jesus, please reveal unto me Anything that I might have done to offend you, anything, any place where I've fallen short, Lord, if I've missed something, Lord, because many times those sins of omission, like I said, because they don't feel comfortable to us in the first place, we don't do them, and we don't, many times we don't realize that this is what God wants us to do. So sometimes it's possible that we just simply overlook them, but still, though, though we need to make sure you're aware of it. So ask Holy Spirit, Lord, if I've done anything to offend you, if I've missed doing anything that I should have been doing, Lord, Please, please um, uh, tell me. Let me know so I can quickly correct my path. You know, and Holy Spirit may come back and quicken in your spirit. You know, or well, you remember the time so and so. You know, you remember the time so and so. You know, and simply just doing. Um, I, I wasn't going to mention this, but it's coming back to me now, and my wife and I were just talking about it when we were down in um, in Santa Barbara, and we stopped to eat, and. Uh, I had, I had a, a takeout box because I couldn't finish it. And we were not finished looking around and shopping. And so I'm walking down the street with this Styrofoam box in my hand, you know. And I really, it was hot. I really didn't feel like caring. And I just remarked to my wife out of the blue, you know, gee, I wish I could just find somebody to give this to because I really don't want to throw it away, you know. And we're walking down the street. And we turned one corner and went past this area here. And this homeless person or this person wheeled up in a wheelchair and literally said, do you have any leftovers? Just like that. Yeah, right? And, and I turned and I looked at him and I handed, handed him the box, you know. And so we went on and did what we had to do and so on. And then coming back on the return route back, going down that same block we were on the other side of the street, we saw the gentleman. He was with two or three other fellows. And they had that styrofoam box and they were sharing it. He looked at us and yelled across the street and said, Thank you again, thank you, thank you, thank you again. You see? Now, suppose I had just decided not to do that. Okay? All right? All right? All right? And you see, suppose I had not decided not to do that. You know? And I dare say, Holy Spirit, let me get filled up quickly, even though the food was pretty sumptuous, big portions, <laughs> you know. But the Lord may have let me gotten filled up just so that I could be there to feed that individual. Now, suppose I had not done that. You see? So these are the kinds of things, you know, that happen in your life. You know, and many times we don 't think of them, you know we just kind of take them, take them for granted you see but 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 God had God had put that individual there, gave me the food to have, so that we could at least feed four of his people, three or four of his people that were struggling you know and and, and I, I prayed about it after you know I said, Lord, hope hope there's a way that you know, your spirit can minister to them and that they 'll find you, et etc, et etc you know, but we go through life like that, and how many missed opportunities you know so 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 a sin of omission is something that you don 't do that and we just kind of just take so for granted, so if you don't know what that is then the thing for you to be praying in your prayer time with God, with all of the things, what do we hear in the song today, in the worship service here, about, um, I don't ask you for anything, I'm not always seeking your hand, Lord, okay, all I want to do is to worship you, when you're praising him and you're worshiping him, ask God, Lord, did I do anything, did I miss the boat, did I do something that I should have done, you know, and then if so, Lord, forgive me, you know, I I, I repent of that, Lord, how can I make it right, or what should I do, you know, and always be constant, be be aware of that, because that is a big boulder that pops up in our lives and we don't understand why we're struggling. We don't understand because we don't always think about it. Amen? 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 So, so pray about that. Um, the, the last one, then we go next to the last one. The last one is, is tithing and, and giving to God. This is a big one. Let's go to Malachi. Good old Malachi. And you know where I'm heading here. Malachi 3. And I, I bring it up from time to time. Uh, uh, those hearing the podcast can also pray and think about it. And this is an area here that, People just seem to have so much trouble with Malachi 3. Malachi 3, and we'll start with um, verse number 7. Malachi 3, verse number 7. Praise God. Even from the days of your fathers, you are gone away from my ordinances. Again, now see, that's disobedience right there. Days of your father, you are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you. Please underline that. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? Will a man rob God? Underline that. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, how have we robbed thee in tithes and offerings? That's the answer, in tithes and offerings. Underline, please, how have you robbed thee in tithes and offerings? You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. So underline that too. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food or meat in my house. And test me. Prove me, test me, now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven, underline, open not the, the windows for heaven, and pour out for you a blessing, that there shall not be be room enough to receive it, alright so just pausing there for a moment, he's saying how have you gone astray, how have you fallen into disobedience, will a man rob God 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 regards, it says in tithes and offerings, God, re- God regards giving to him in terms of tithes and offerings as robbing him, okay, a tithe a tithe is that mandatory portion which is a tithe in, in, the, uh, in the Greek, there is a tent, but uh, it's that mandatory portion of our earnings that we give to God we are not an agrarian or a farming society where we give sheep and cattle and things like that or or if you're a farmer parts of your land and so on you know so that is obviously coming from how we receive our earnings okay in tithes and offerings and so God considers that 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 you're robbing him and then he says as a result of you robbing God you are cursed with a curse for you have robbed me this whole nation he says bring me the tithes in verse 10 and test Him to prove me that he won't pour out the windows of heaven and bring blessings into you okay so the hardest thing that I see for people is that they start thinking well I'm giving to a man or I'm giving to this 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 individual and so on like that you know it's giving to God 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 doesn't need your money God doesn't need your money but God is talking here about giving to him it's about giving It's, it's a sacrifice it's recognizing the fact that it's recognizing the fact that God is the supplier of your needs God gives you everything that you have that God is your source all right? and he has ordained it as such that in reference to you believing that he's giving you, uh, giving you all of this that he's simply asking for, for you, for, from you that portion that is rightfully yours but it indicates the faith that you have in him that he's going to return that multifold, multifold times Okay, that he will bless you and it says, it says to prove him to test him if a blessing. All right? And trust me when I say this, but I know many, many individuals that are suffering and that are really, really uh, are, are struggling, because the more you want to hold on to what you have, and in modern day terms, the dollar, the more you want to hold on to that dollar, the more you will struggle to keep it. The more you'll struggle to keep, it, I'm telling you, I mean, I have no way no way other than to say that. I mean, this is not benefiting me or anything else like that. I am merely saying this to you because you are his children. And if I don't speak this message from time to time, then I'm the one that's responsible because maybe some people just don't know. Everyone here, obviously, we've talked about this before, understands the concept, but those that may be hearing this on the podcast or whatever, maybe they're not getting it. And this is the fact, it's fact like God says, to prove him, to test him. You start giving to God, you start seeing things open up in your life you will never want you, you will never want you know I gave my last twenty one time you've heard me tell this story and we were young newlyweds and everything like that. my last twenty one time in church and I went downstairs lived in an apartment building with a, a public wash and went downstairs to do the wash. And lo and behold it had stuck to the inside of the washing machine was a twenty dollar bill that somehow probably was left in someone's pants or whatever you know but God returned that twenty and then the blessing started coming in multifold on top of that you see so all I'm just saying to you is to really, really trust God. I'm one that can tell you that this works. You know, it, it really, really works. On on on, on the on the, conf- on the other side of the coin on that, I've known some individuals who just refuse to do that. They just re- refuse to give to God. You know, and and it's been showing too. And then they come back and they say, well, pastor this, pastor that, and, and, and I will I will tell them, you know, well, this is what you, you, you're remiss in, You know, oh well, well yeah, but you know that doesn't make sense. And so, well, it's not my reasoning of sense. It's what the word of God says. God says that you're robbing him. It says, Then he, he says there in verse number 10, it says to try him. Try him. If you'll not open up the windows of heaven. People will, people will play the stock market. They'll feel more comfortable in playing the stock market or going down to Winco and getting a lotto ticket than they do in giving to God, which is a sure thing. If you give to God, it will be returned to you multifold. I mean, many times over. You know, So that is a boulder that is in the way of many, many people Peoples are uh, uh, in, in their paths. Verse number 11 continues and says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake." Please underline devourer. I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast its fruit before the time in the field, says the Lord of hosts. So who is the devourer, you know? And it's interesting because, you, you, you know, you know that when, when, you, when you get stuck in that way, you're not giving to God. What you do have, you wind up losing it. You do have, you're losing it. You, you know, you, you, you have a little bit of money, you get the washing machine fixed, and you, oh boy, I got the washing machine fixed. No sooner you get the washing machine fixed, the refrigerator breaks down. No sooner you get that fixed, the car breaks down. You know, and it's always money going out, money going out. Whereas if you go the other way and you trust God, He's the biggest return on investment that I've ever seen. You give a tenth to God and you get back, uh, you get back a hundredfold of that. I, it doesn't exist in, on, in man's terms. Amen? So, he, so that can be a boulder, you know. And, and I say, I say to young couples all the time just starting out if they want to surely struggle in life and you want to be arguing all the time stop giving to God Okay, cause I guarantee you. I mean, in this day and age, as it is, you know, we watch, we get a kick out of watching four weddings on TV and look at all of the money that's being spent on some of those weddings. And some of these young people are spending thousands, tens of thousands of dollars on their weddings and whatnot. And they don't realize that in most young marriages, Or I should say most, but in many young marriages, you know, the source of most of the dissension, the the, the source of most arguments, the source of most bitterness, which even winds up leading to divorce in many cases, is over money. It's over money. Okay? Because now that they've had that big fancy wedding and spent all that money, now all of a sudden the bills start coming in. Okay? The bills start coming in, you know. And then, well, uh, you know, you, you, I'm paying. I'm earning more than you. Or you're paying this and you're not paying that. And they start struggling and they're worrying about their money. Okay? And the bottom line is that if young people could lock into the concept of giving to God, okay, now it doesn't mean that you, you won't have challenges, but God will always come in and will get you out of that debt. He'll get you out of it. Okay? It may be a challenge for you. But but you give to him and, and he is faithful. You know, the other risk is all of a sudden say, oh, well, I got to pay the light bill. You know, oh, I'm going to need me a pair of shoes next month. You know, oh, I got this card, this thing from, from Nordstrom and they're going to have these dresses on sale. I'm going to save my money just for that. And then you don't give to God. You stop and think for a minute. You're robbing God. All right, okay, all right, so you got that money, and you go and you, you go and you buy that fancy dress from Nordstrom, and then and what did God say that he would rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so all of a sudden you're robbing him. Alright, so the devil's not God's not going to be rebuking that devourer So that big fancy dress that you went on and bought All of a sudden you get on there And a cab rides by and splashes mud on it And the thing gets ruined The thing gets ruined, alright There's the thing you've been saving all your money for And you decided to rob God, alright Now I'm putting it on a very, very simplistic level But what I'm saying to you is that God can't rebuke the devourer If you're robbing, or he won't anyway alright if you're robbing from him. okay, And that devourer is out there 24-7 working on you to see what, you can, what he can get out of you. How he can ruin your life. When it says here, is even, and if I was a farmer, I'd latch onto this in a heartbeat. I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Now not all of us are farmers, okay, but the fruits of our labor, if you will. okay. So that could be even in modern terms, in, in, in non-farming terms, that could be the things that you're doing, your career. You know, the things in your life, you know? You see, God can rebuke all of that if you're being faithful to Him. So don't let the lack of giving to God be, become this major boulder in your life, because this is a, is a no-win situation, I'm telling you. And, and I've, I've seen, you know, so many people, and I pray for some of these people, because they exist today, that there's struggle after struggle after struggle. Okay, the husbands and wives, and these are young married couples who struggle after struggle after struggle, and they haven't lasted. and I'm not, I'm not just talking about struggling with not being able to pay a bill. I mean, that's almost the easy part. That struggling has translated itself into other parts of their marital life, okay, in, in so many ways. Okay, forget not being able to pay the bills. While this thing is spilled over in so many ways, where it's just not general happiness. There, there's no joy there. It's manifesting onto the children. You see, and they don't realize that. What did the Lord say? That you'll be cursed. You see, and these are Christians. These are Christians. I can understand someone that's not a Christian and has doesn't know what the Scripture is saying. But these are Christians, and the word is written right there in the Bible. Can't be, can't be any 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 You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me. Simple as that. You don't want to mess around with God in this re- in God in this regard, okay? It's very very important. So that's a big that's a big uh, a big boulder that can be in our lives. Um, the last one here is is the fear, okay? And we, we, we did the confession um, earlier this morning in starting, but let's go to Romans eight and closing here, Romans chapter eight. And and I also say that. Um, Romans chapter 8, while you're, you're turning there, uh, on the level, on the note of giving and tithing to God, um, marriage or couples living together, young or old, in the case that there are two people, okay, you don't marry yourself, not yet, you don't marry yourself. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. It's okay, not yet. It still involves two people, a man and a woman, according to, to Scripture. <laughs> a man and a woman, according to Scripture. Yeah. You know, or your pet rock or something like that. But um, marriage is between two people, a man and a woman, according to the Bible. And um, on the note of giving and tithing and giving to God, if one of them has a problem with that, And I'm talking about in a Christian marriage, somebody's got to speak up. If one of the couples has a problem with tithing and giving to God, one of them needs to speak up. Because guess what, you know, God looks at you as a couple now, you know, and what one is or is not doing can impact the entire marriage. So this is something that you need to be on one accord about, need to be on one accord. The two of you should be in agreement with giving to God. Okay, because it's so important. It's so important, you know. And I say this to young folks who are really starting out today, especially because now you're starting the foundation for your lives. And it's important for you to sit down. you know. And, and if there is an issue on that subject, then the two people should get together and talk about it and talk it out. You know, this is what the Bible says, you know, and, and, and honey, I love you. I want us to be, to be successful. I want our marriage to last. I want, I want, I want. You know, so therefore we need to be on one accord in this area here. So we need to talk about it so that you can progress your marriage and move on so that you're successful. You know, doesn't mean that you won't have challenges, but God said that God will rebuke the devourer. Okay? Where, where that, when situations come up. And, I mean, all I can just say is that I can stand up here and give you story after story in our own lives where... We had large sums of money that became available that I was totally unaware of or whatever, you know. And, and I'm not going to get into all of that. But, but, but I'm just saying to you that, that God, and I'm sure there are other people here, too, that know the same thing. But God will bless you. That's all I'm saying to say. God will bless you. Uh, okay, Romans 8.15. 8.15. Um, for we, uh, you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption Whereby we cry Abba Father So that's almost similar to the scripture we read earlier For you have not received the spirit of bondage And notice the word bondage in there Because it's like you being in prison again, you know, again Spirit of bondage again to fear For you have received the spirit of adoption Spirit of adoption meaning that When you become a child of God A born again child of God You're adopted into the family of God Whereby we cry Abba Father And Abba is kind of an affectionate term Meaning like Daddy Okay? You know, have a Father. And remember that here in closing. Remember that fear, there's a cycle that develops from you having fear. Fear winds up canceling, canceling prayer, the effects of prayer, and because it basically says that you don't believe God. If you've got fear for something, then that means that you're not trusting God and you're not believing what he says he can do in his word. And the fear winds up creating a vicious cycle because fear, left unchecked, turns into doubt. Left unchecked, that doubt goes into unbelief, and then that unbelief turns around into more fear. You see, so you get caught up in that cycle, you know, fear, doubt, unbelief, more fear, fear, doubt, unbelief, more fear, fear, doubt, unbelief, more fear, all right? So if you've got that fear, it's because there's some unbelief or some doubt that's in there because if you didn't think that God could bring you through that in the first place, you know, you see, the fear comes on because you think that God is not there, he's not going to do something or whatever. Now, that doesn't mean that when something happens in your life, you don't kind of instantaneously, you know, in that first five or ten seconds, there's a, a fear, you know, a shock sets in you open a letter or you get a phone call or somebody said something it's only natural that you get that reaction in your gut oh gee whiz oh gosh what am I doing okay but as a child of God there should be a quick recovery whereby you know and you trust God okay this is a situation that God is going to bring us through God is going to get us through that okay first thing you do is if again you're a couple you're living in your family grab hands all right, let's pray. After you get over the initial shock, okay, let's pray. And we've, again, something that we've done so many times over the course of our marriage. You know, if the kids are there with us or whatever. After we get the, in, the initial news, okay, let's pray. And whoever's available will grab hands and we'll pray. You know, start binding up the situation and casting out or whatever may be going on. But don't let that fear just stay there until the fear turns in again, that cycle. Fear, doubt, unbelief, fear. Fear, doubt. Unbelief, fear. That's where you get caught up in. And the more you dwell on it without running to God with it, the the more that unbelief sits in. Because the devil then has more of a chance to let it marinate. The thought gets planted in your mind and it kind of marinates in there, you know, as you just dwell on, geez, now this is going to happen, now it's going to lead to this, now this is going to go on. Instead of remembering, God has not given me a spirit of fear, okay? And remember, instead of having the doubt, God promised that He's going to do this. God said He'll rebuke the devourer. God brought me through this before and I had a similar situation. I can do all things through Christ Jesus and so on. Instead of marinating and dwelling in that fear and that doubt and that unbelief. Amen? Amen? So these are a handful of boulders. They are the biggest ones, um, and the most common that are out there for us Christians, you know. And, and you can, in your prayers, you can ask God too. You know, is there anything else that's blocking me, Lord? You know, is there anything that's, that's hindering me, Lord, from coming into where you want me to be? Am I missing something? You know, and Holy Spirit will tell you. He will tell you. He's faithful to do that. Why? Because God does not want you out there um, laboring under some false assumptions. God does not want you out there thinking that you're doing a good job, so to speak, you know what I mean? If there's something that you need to clean up, if there's something that you need to correct. So simply ask Him. Simply ask Him, you know. If you went and asked your boss at work, you know, well, well, gee whiz, you know, doing your performance review, you know, how am I doing? You know, am I doing okay here? You know, what are my strengths and what are my weaknesses, you know? You know, God may even simply tell you, you're not spending enough time with me. That's a big thing, too. You're not spending enough time with enough quality time, you know. You pray to me, but you don't tarry long enough to hear an answer. Mm-hmm. You know, prayer is not just a one-way conversation to God. Prayer is supposed to be a communication with God, a dialogue with God, you know, you see. But we forget about that because we think that God is some, you know, force be with you floating out there in the atmosphere of someone instead of an individual the creator of the universe that we can converse with. Amen. Amen. So praise God. I pray hope this message has been a blessing to you. And now, before we close, let us prepare to honor God with our tithes and offerings.